0: You may be seated and multitask a little bit as you're seated. We'll take the offering if the ushers would prepare for the offering. And in the lack of a worship song, I'll just go right in. (laughs) While you dig around for some offering, I'll start in the lesson tonight. Amen. Let's pray for the offering. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give to your kingdom. Lord, we ask you to bless it, multiply it for your use and your glory. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. It is good to be here this evening with you, and uh, I just believe the Lord has a word for us tonight, and... This story is sort of a familiar story, but some things that I learned about um, in this story, kind of eye-opening to me, and I wanted to share it. I might have spoken in some way or another before on, on this story, uh, but in light of uh, this topic, I think it would be uh, very, very uh, poignant tonight. And so I wanted to start with Numbers chapter 24. And verse 10. And this story stretches multiple chapters. We won't read it all verbatim. I'll summarize a little bit for you, unless you really want to be here all night. This verse starts chapter 24, verse 10. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Verse 11. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee unto great honor. But lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. Verse 12. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. Let me just pause right quick. I asked if we could have a clicker and, you know, for the slideshow to just go to the next slide and they handed me the iPad <laughs> and so I said I don't know if my brain can think that fast about what I'm talking about and which slide to go to next and they said well pastor does it every week and I said I know but he has two brains like he can do it all I'm not sure that I can do that so just struggle through with me and sister Tabitha's up there I think she can handle it if I mess things up, which is highly likely. One more verse before we go on. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'd like to talk to you tonight about this message when God writes your story, hallelujah, the author and finisher of our faith. Have you ever read a good story? Anybody ever read a good book? What made it a good story to you? It probably had some good characters. It probably had a great pro- plot line or a storyline. It had suspenseful moments that keep you or kept you wanting to turn the next page. I always would hate that. You'd read a book one time. Actually, Sister Sheena gave me a book to read as I was traveling on a plane one time. And as I was reading it, wouldn't you know it's one of those books that you get to the end of the chapter and you just can't stop. You have to turn it to the next page to see what happened. And that's a good place to stop. I would have liked to just stop before I read the next chapter, but I couldn't put it down. I had to read the next little bit because I, I didn't want to stop with where it was left off in the last chapter. I had to keep going. Page turners. Maybe in a good story there are some surprises here and there, some twists along the way, things that you didn't see coming. And usually the main character goes through some difficult situations. And they often, not in every story, but us Americans like to have a good ending. We like a happy ending. And so most of the time we read books that end in some positive way. We've gone through some trial and we end out with a good ending. And if you don't read, you could listen to podcasts, it's the same thing applies. Maybe you watch a show, the same thing applies, where they have the ups and downs, the twists and the turns to make a good story. And I often think about this, maybe a, a dream of mine one day would be to write a story. Um, I've had a few thoughts here and there, and nothing, no time to write anything down, but It's an interesting idea to me. And the thing I know that authors do is when they sit down to write a story, they know everything that's going on inside. Somebody had to sit and plan that story from beginning all the way to the end. They couldn't start writing without knowing where they were going to end the story. And the author is always in complete and total control Of this story. If they don't like where it's headed, they simply change the words. They can hit the delete button. They can go back. They can erase the story and try again. The author is in complete and total control throughout the entire story, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. And if we apply this to our spiritual lives for a moment, we just read that God is the author of our faith. If he's the author of my life, I think I'm in pretty good hands. Amen? And I think he's writing a pretty good story. And that means that one very important piece that I think about, and I think about this very often, especially when I read that verse, that he is the author and the finisher of my faith, is that he had to plan my whole story before I was even born. And when you really think about this, this is how good our author is. He had to plan the story of my parents before me to get me to where I needed to be to make the story. And then he would have had to go back the generation before that. And the generation before that, he had this whole thing in mind when he started it. Before he said, let there be light, he knew you and I would be here tonight. He had this story already mapped out. It was already thought through. He already knew how it was going to finish. He's in complete control. If we look at Jeremiah chapter one and verse five, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Not while you were there, before he already knew us and before thou camest, before Thou camest forth. Out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. This happened before. Ephesians 1 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. If you ever questioned it, God knows you, he knows where you're going. He knows where you came from, and he's got it all planned out, and he's in control. When the story seems a little scary, when things don't turn out the way you think they will, when you're not sure how things will turn out, you don't have to worry because your author's already thought it through. You don't know, and that's what gives us a little angst, but he does. It's no surprise to him. Amen. There are so many interesting stories found throughout the Bible. And I like this one in particular to show a couple points. It's in the Old Testament. It's a little bit obscure. But the famous part where the donkey turns around and talks to him. We learn about that sometimes in Sunday school. The Israelites had just come out of Egypt. Well, not just. They've been in the wilderness for quite a while. Had come out of Egypt. They were wandering through. And they were... On the brink of going into the promised land. And God had already given them the Ten Commandments. And rule number one was to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And rule number two, have no graven images, no idols. And on their way to the promised land, right as they were getting ready to go through, just before Moses uh, goes and dies, we find them on the, in the land of the Moabites. And the Midianites and we can just call these guys the bad guys, because it's going to sound similar if we just keep using their names. So the bad guys are there, and they're ready. Here comes Israel, and they've heard the stories. They know Israel is blessed of God. They know Israel is coming through and, and probably going to take over. And so the king of the Moabites, he says, "We need something to happen here. We need to curse this people." And so, if you recall, Balak, the king, he requests that the prophet Balaam come and curse the people of Israel. And you know the story. He was on his way after kind of reluctantly going. He, he heads out that way. And um, God is clearly not happy with him going and sends an angel in the way with a sword drawn. But he can't see it. His donkey does and has a little fit. You know, and Balaam gets angry and kicks him, kicks the donkey and everything. And finally turns around and says, why are you kicking me? Don't you see? And then he sees the angel with the sword drawn. He goes on. Once he ends up there in the land with with the king, uh, the king says, please curse this people. And they do a big show. And and Balaam, the prophet, gets ready. And he goes to curse them, And what comes out? Blessings. He tries to curse him, but he can't. He only blesses the people of Israel. So the king gets mad, and he says, all right, let's 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 do it again. Come over here. Maybe if you see him from this side, it, you'll, you'll be able to curse him. So he brings him over to another place. They go through this ritual, and the prophet tries to curse, and out comes blessing. And he says, no, the king gets so irritated. He's like, all right, fine. One more time, come, let's look at the whole thing. You can see the entire." camp of israel come and look and as he does that he goes to curse and this time once again just blessings come out he could not curse the people of israel why they are god's people you can't touch god's anointed He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that has anointed them, called them, brought them to where they are, and no matter how hard he tried, he could not go against the will of God. That should make you feel pretty good. You might feel like you've got some enemies, and even if it's not a person, maybe it's a situation that feels like it's coming against you, but it ain't nothing for God. It might try, but what the devil meant for evil, God can turn it around for good. Amen? Amen? And here's this people of Israel. And now this part is the part that boggles my mind. That was the 24th chapter of Numbers. And when you turn the page to the 25th chapter of Numbers, it starts out with what Israel was doing while Balaam is trying to curse. While the prophet is there trying to curse them and couldn't, only blessings came out. Do you know what the people of Israel were involved in? It's very well known. It's mentioned even in the New Testament. They were worshiping the God of the Midianites. They were worshiping a false God. Now, God had brought them through the wilderness, did many miracles for them. And here, right as they're standing on their way into the promised land, They decide they're going to worship this false god and they did and they did it wholeheartedly and they brought in Wives and god told them, don't mix with the with the people of the land. They're going to bring you to their false gods They were doing all of it. You remember Sin was in the camp But even while sin was in the camp Balaam couldn't curse God still knew these are my people I am going to clean house We are going to have a reckoning. This sin isn't going to go on forever. And I don't care what state they're in. You can't curse my people. They're mine. Amen. So whatever you're facing, whatever situation you're going through, even if you don't feel up to snuff, maybe you need to visit the altar. Amen. We have to every day. Die daily. Maybe you feel like this or that. It doesn't matter. You're a child of God. You've been bought with a price. You're his. Doesn't matter what the world says. Doesn't matter what your enemy says. Doesn't matter who's got a weapon formed against you. It doesn't matter. Because no matter what you're going through, you're still his. That enemy doesn't have the authority to do anything. Amen? Hallelujah. God doesn't also see you the way you see yourself. They were... In trouble. They were doing wrong, but God still saw them as His chosen people. God doesn't see you the way others see you. Boy, that king would have loved. All he saw with Israel was a threat. That's all he saw. It didn't matter what he thought. They were the children of God. And God shows others what He wants them to see. You ever feel, ever somebody come up and give you a compliment? And you didn't even know you were doing anything to be complimented. You ever had that somebody come up and just say, I want to pull you aside and just tell you I really appreciate blah, blah, blah. You're like, well, oh, didn't even know I was doing that. Okay, great. That's what God does for his chosen people. He gives you blessings that you don't even know are there, and people see you in ways that you don't even know people see you. Amen? You're different. You're bought with a price, you're his. You're written into his story. Amen? Every story has a good character. And that main character, at least in this story, is you. And I just got to thinking about this. Boy, if they wrote a story about me, it might not be that interesting. I don't know how many pages that book would be. It'd be a children's book, complete with hand-drawn stick figures. And you may feel that way in fact when you dive in because these authors if you've ever heard about how authors come up with their characters they dive deep into these characters they give them background stories and they give them life lives that they lived prior to the story that they're writing and you never know it you have no idea in the story that you're reading the background that the authors have gone through to give these characters their personalities and the, the reasons for doing things, their motives, uh, the, their whole design, the author has thought all of that through, had it all in his hands. And I got to thinking about that. If you wrote a story about me, I don't know that anybody wants to know all those character flaws and all those things that, you know, I'd rather just that's between me and the blood. And we'd like to have that just washed away, Amen. And thank the Lord it is. But God doesn't operate the same way we do. God doesn't see you for who you are. But when you repent and get filled with the Holy Ghost, God cleans you up and makes you something beautiful. First Peter chapter two verses nine and ten says, "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar." People. Okay, I stop there and I read that and I think, thanks God, I'm weird. I mean, I know that, but we have to broadcast it. I'm a peculiar people. But I got to looking at that word, and peculiar does not mean the way we use it today. It doesn't mean strange and weird. Do you know what it means? That literally means a purchased possession. That word peculiar means preserving in other words it's mine so god said you're a royal priesthood a holy nation and you are my people you belong to me and you're weird in the sense that you're different from everyone else because you are mine hallelujah god bought you with a price that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy hallelujah if we go to second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 it says therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new hallelujah it doesn't matter what background you brought to this thing god washes it away and it's a new thing that he's doing in you you are a new creature and i think sometimes the greatest trick of the enemy is to hound you and to pound you with i know what you were remember who you used to be remember what you were doing when but god doesn't see that he looks at you and sees the blood the blood applied he sees the blood and what's the Bible say what follows goodness and mercy follow behind, amen that's who we are in him, hallelujah sometimes we have this mentality, I've noticed it in uh, different denominal world, Christian churches and I've seen sort of this attitude of come as you are and I get it, we we Believe that same thing. Please come as you are. You can't clean up. You can't get good enough to get this thing. You have to come as you are. And God cleans you up. Amen? But sometimes you see this come as you are and then just stay as you are. And that is not scriptural. Scriptural. There is nothing in the Bible that says just continue on the way you were. Everything, I die daily, I'm a new creature, everything from the time you get that precious gift of the Holy Ghost is a constant change, a constant transformation, so that you become like Christ. Amen? That's how we are to be, and it's a constant, constant thing. We never come to the end of our story until it really is the end. Amen? And even then, it's not the end for us. Amen? We have a story, we have a prologue, or epilogue, what is it, at the end. We have more to come. Moving on. (laughs) Hey, every good story, unfortunately, has an antagonist. Can't really have a good story without somebody in there to make it interesting, right? And our antagonist is the enemy, the devil, the enemy of our soul, the wicked one, the roaring lion, says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness and high places. That's what we wrestle against. And even Jesus in Luke chapter four was tempted by this enemy. When, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him. And this is how Luke says it in chapter four, for a season. So the enemy came, didn't get what he wanted from Jesus, And so he departed, but he didn't leave for good. Luke tells us he just left for a season. The next time in Luke that we see the devil appear is in Luke chapter 22. And we see, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. That's the next time we see this enemy of our soul. And I wish I could tell you that boy, one good thump on the devil and he's out of your life for good. Never going to come at you again with anything else. But you don't have to live very long to know that that's not true. He might leave for a season. I don't know what he's trying to do. Whip up a better game plan. I don't know. But he's probably going to show up again. And not to give him too much credit, sometimes I feel like the enemy that does more damage is right here in my own head. Is I can mess up my own self pretty good. I don't really need the devil to get me into much trouble because I can do a good job of that all by myself. But there is also, even though there's an antagonist, we have a hero. The author is also the hero of our story. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If you have Jesus in your life, your story is going to turn out just fine. Amen? And we have in our stories ups and downs, high points and low points. We call it conflict. And I have trouble also with people who, you know, kind of show that we're Christians. So, I mean, we do have joy. But I don't know that we just always are dealing with a car issue right now. My motor has blown and uh, not my fault. I always feel like I need to say that. The oil was in there and changed regularly. Um, And so now we're facing what to do about this whole situation and it's not always easy hallelujah i was saying something and my poor wife not to throw her under the bus but last night she was like i don't want to play the glad game right now (laughs) whatever i said i was trying to say but you could think of it like this and she's like i don't want to play the glad game right now and i i get it life happens and it's not always you know and um We see things, singers on TV that are Christian singers, and those who are always just smiling, like everything's happy and things are great. A lot of gospel songs have funny words in them. If you think about them, well, current songs do too. I'm not going to act like they don't. But sometimes these song lyrics come across and you're like, "What, what was that about? And I'll never forget Sister Leslie just knew, just started coming to church. It may have even been her first time here, and this would have been approaching 20 years ago. She was sitting here, and we happened to sing that Oak Ridge Boys song, I think it is, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will meet their doom. The trumpets will sound, just smiling away, so excited. And I remember the look on her face, like... What? Many will meet their doom. Yay! We have to be careful. We have to be real. We do have the joy of the Lord. And our response should not be the way the world will respond to our situations. We have the Holy Ghost. But we have to die daily. And every time we're faced with another opportunity to... We have to play the glad game. it's not a fake joy it's not but you go to god with your frustrations and he takes care of it he's in control we've said it he's the author he knows what's going on there's nothing in your life that he hasn't already taken care of he's our, he knows the end i've been praying that big time for this car situation lord you know I can't wait to see what I'm going to be driving here in a bit. Whew, hallelujah. But you know what? Every story has to have the ups and downs. Or it's going to be, well, here, let's just, here's a story. There once was a man who was a Christian. He wanted a good job. God gave him a good job. He wanted a nice car. God gave him a nice car. He wanted a nice home to live in. God gave him a nice home to live in. He wanted a good wife and family. God gave him a good wife and family. He wanted to have enough money to live good and never worry about finances. God gave him enough money. He never wanted to have any problems. God kept him from every problem. He wanted to die and go to heaven in a good old age. At a good old age, God welcomed him home to heaven. The end. Well, that's a nice story, but it's pretty boring. There's no ups and downs. And when you think about it, the man missed out on truly knowing God. For him, God was a genie in a bottle. Could you do this, Lord? And God did it. I wish for this, and poof, God does it for me. But this man never got to know God as a helper. He never got to know him as the peace speaker. He never got to know what it meant to have a way maker. He didn't know what it means to have strength in weakness or a provider when you've got nothing or a savior when you're lost, a friend when you're lonely. He didn't get to know any of those things, those characters of God, because he had no reason to. His life was just fine. God doesn't want us to know him as a genie in a bottle. He wants us to rely completely and totally on him, and he wants us to be able to praise him with the songs we sing at church. He's our waymaker. Amen. He's the one who does a, makes a way when there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. You will have trials, you will have struggles, ups and downs, hills and valleys, conflict and intrigue. It will all be there. But James chapter 1 Says, my brethren, count it all joy when you. What? Ah, this verse. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I know he's still working on me because not every time I get some trying do I count it all joy. But I know that when it gets rough and it gets tough, just turn to him. He's got it in his hands and under control. First Peter chapter four and verse 12 says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. It's not just a trial. We got to have a fiery one. Thanks for that. A fiery trial, which is not might. Which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't be surprised when it comes along. But <sighs> rejoice. Help me, Lord. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Hallelujah. We get to know him in that way, but only because we have to go through stuff. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 4. Sister Tabby, you just take control because I'm getting myself lost already. Thank you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. doesn't say if I walk through. Yea, even though I'm doing it, here I go. I do have a through. I don't have to stay in the valley. I'm not going to get lost in the valley. There's another side of the valley. Amen. I will fear no evil, for you are rid- with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We will have trials, sometimes pretty tr- tough ones, but we can trust that when God writes your story... The trial is not the end. You never just suffer for suffering's sake. Hallelujah. The Lord is trying to perfect you, to be his bride. He's coming back to present you blameless. And in order to do that, he's got to work out all the stuff that's in there. Amen? It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. But I'm glad I'm in his hands. He's never going to put more on me than I can bear. He's going to see me through just like clay in the hand of a potter. It's going to turn into something. And if it's not looking good, what can he do? Crumble it right back down and try again. Amen. First Peter chapter one and verse seven says it like this, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He is still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Amen. When God writes your story, even in the worst trial, you can trust it's going to be okay. And you're going to be better off for it on the other side. And with every story, there comes an ending. There's a closing. Hebrews 12.2 says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And when God writes the story, we know it's going to be good. When you give God control, he's responsible for the outcome. That gives me great peace. Knowing that I have committed all things into his hands and whatever I've committed into his hands, he will keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have two daughters, and we're starting into the teenage years. Hallelujah. The struggle is real, and I don't know what happened between seventh and eighth grade, but something happened between seventh and eighth grade. And I am so proud of those girls, but boy, we still have how many years to go? (laughs) I don't know what's coming But he does. And I don't know what. I know they have their own decisions to make. And they're going to do what they're going to do. But they're going to do it the way I say they're going to do it. (laughs) They're in my house. And I don't say that lightly. Because I've committed those two girls to God. And he said, I'll keep that, which I've committed unto you. I know whatever happens, he's going to have in his hands. It's in his hands, in his control. Put our finances put our marriage put whatever it is your job lord keep that i'm letting you have it and you know the hardest thing once you do that let it go give it to god is to not take it back it's real hard when it's not turning out the way you think it should and the way things should happen the way you want them to happen and and it's real easy to try to take those things back i commit it to him and hey lord i'm not going to take it back You've got to do it. If you don't do it, I don't know what's going to happen because you are the one, you're the author. And if you don't take care of this, we were praying that about the car. Imagine that. Lord, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And then there was a little check. Well, I mean, I'm not demanding that you do something, Lord. I'm just saying if you don't, I don't know what will happen. I, you are sovereign. I can't demand that you do something. But I'm asking, if you don't do something, Lord, I I don't know what's going to come of this situation. But if you're in it, it's going to be all right. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. It's in his hands. Hallelujah. And even if this trial should be the thing that takes me, if this is the end and the Lord calls me home, O oh death, where is thy sting? Because I know whom I have believed. The finisher of my faith is going to be right there with me in the end, and he's going to usher me on through to the other side, and the end is greater than the beginning. Little Adley the other day was, oh, poor thing, was stung by bees on Sunday. They were playing in the yard and happened to run their little, uh, Wagon right over a hornet's nest that nobody knew was there, and uh, Albany was over, and she got stung a couple of times, and Brit Adley got stung. I think we counted four stings on her, but they came in just screaming bloody murder and you didn't know what was going wrong and everything's panicked and you're trying to figure out what's going on and it doesn't take too long before you see bees flying around your house and then you see a bee bee stuck in their hair and you're trying to get the bee out of their hair without panicking them that there's a bee in their hair (sighs) oh it was it was a thing and she was just crying and screaming and we had this real philosophical debate while she's crying and screaming (laughs) and she said I just I just want to die I just want it to be over And I was like nope we don't say that ever being stung by bees is still better than dead and she said but dad I'll be in heaven (laughs) okay I guess you got me there in the end we're gonna be with him anyways And I think of the many precious saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. And these saints in our church, and I can name them, but I'll miss somebody, and I don't want to do that. You all know who I'm talking about. Several precious saints in our church have shown us. uh, We recently had a um, memorial service for Uncle Tracy Keys, And that thought occurred to me for him, and it applies to all of these precious saints that they showed us. How to live in christ they showed us how to be sick in christ and they showed us how to die in christ they lived the life they walked the walk they talked the talk and then when the lord called them home it was still a testimony amen god is good and this story from beginning to end he's in control and he's going to see us through whether it starts rough Whether it ends rough, it's all in his hands. And when we get to the other side, we sing it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Every valley, every storm, every tear we've cried, it's going to be worth it all. Just to hear him say, well done, will be worth any prize. Hallelujah. One final thought, and I've probably talked longer than you wanted to hear especially with no worship if we go to john chapter 21 and verse 25 and there are also many other things which jesus did the which if they should be written every one i suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written amen john says that these are written and if every one of them that could be written was written, it wouldn't be able to contain it even in the whole world. And I like to just think that perhaps one of those stories is my story. Perhaps one of those stories is your story. That God went to the cross of Calvary, but he already knew way back when he said, let there be light, exactly what you're going to be going through on September 20th, nineteen. 19. <laughs> 2023, hallelujah, God is in control, he hasn't lost control, he's not worried, when you feel anxious, he's not wringing his hands, he never slumbers nor sleep, he's on it, he knows what he's doing, he's got you in mind, and if you've put it in his hands, he's going to take care of it all, amen, would you stand with me? And we'll dismiss after we pray. Lord Jesus. Lord, we feel your presence. Lord, we ask you to continue to write the story that you've already put to paper. Lord, we don't take the pen out of your hands. We're not going to know the way to finish this story the way you can. Lord, we ask you to keep writing. We ask you to keep our lives in your hands that you would keep us and guide us, direct us. Lord, every single thing that we have going on in our lives, we don't hold on to it ourselves. We don't try to control you, but we ask you to take control and to continue to write this story. We love you and we give you glory and honor and all praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.